Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. This is episode 33-6 and we're your hosts. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Fernand. And every week we listen to great video game music from all consoles, all generations. We pick a topic, we pick some music, we listen to the music, we discuss the music, we discuss the games, we discuss everything about it. Um, and we're talking uh, to uh, Pernell today. Pernell, uh, how are things where you are in your neck of the woods? Well, I'm COVID-free since 93, and by that I mean I don't know what the heck I am, because I'm perfectly healthy in my sense, but I tested yesterday, it said, yeah, you still got it. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? But I was like, let me refer back to the quote-unquote, the, the, the special text of the governments, and the claim is that after 10 days, you should be good to flow again, and that will be tomorrow. So I'm like, okay, all right. I want to freaking live again. So that's good. I want to get out and yeah. go back to the gym. I'm two weeks out working out. I'm freaking weak as balls now, and I hate it. <laughs> but while that line, that second line is still red, Pernell can keep that crap over where he's living right now. So <laughs> that's, that's why we're doing right. it this way uh, tonight. Um, and if, if what we didn't realize was that this week's topic is a revisit. Revisiting. No, we realize. We realize nothing's wrong. Oh, nothing's wrong. Absolutely nothing's wrong. We can do whatever we want. This is our show. And, uh, <laughs> we don't care. Um, oh, um, so um, every year we have a summer games challenge uh, where we try to play as many games as we can or as we want to over the course of the summer. And this summer I'm playing through Super Metroid for the Super Nintendo and I have that'll be interesting that's for many that's the best Metroid ever made I have never uh, played this game I've got I got stuck in a couple parts just because I've, I'm learning kind of the language of the game of like it wants you to explore and like shoot all the walls to figure out where to go and so I've been online and been like hey where do I go from here in Brinstar no no online get the map anyway get so I go map. I went online and I was like where do I go next and like, and and I, I literally, proud. Don't worry about it because the only comments to a lot of this stuff was, "Oh my God, this is your first playthrough. I wish I could play through this game for the first time again." And I'm like, "Yes, I'm like wow." It's, it's one of those. And it's fun. It's a really good game. It's very cinematic. And I want, I want our guest to chime in on this statement, but I oh think, man, I've been holding back. Okay, but so yeah, I heard him say like Super Metroid. Why and I'm I like, say oh. that is because a large part of what makes Metroid what it actually is, surprises, not right? challenge. <laughs> it's the actual exploration. You're like, oh, I just found this cool path at least to an energy tank. It's oh, not man. quite the same oomph if yeah. you just Google it and it's like, shoot that block. Oh, and oh there's an energy trust tank. Trust me, there. I just I haven't been doing that. I've been like, I've been concerned that I've soft locked the game twice <laughs> because I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> am I like in a place where I shouldn't be because I don't have the right items yet? And then I'm like, I better look this up. One time it was because I have my control. I'm playing on an emulator, so I thought my control my my controller settings were actually incorrect. And I couldn't do some of the <laughs> weapon changes. Anyway, on today's show, not just Pernell is here, not just your host Rob Nichols is here. We have a third guest. This is a trifecta. This is the Triforce of podcasters. We have returning with us the Kung Fu Carlito from the Heroes 3 podcast, Mr. Carlos. 
Hello, what's up, guys? What's going on? Yeah, yeah, I was like stifling my laughter when you guys are having your preamble. And, and you, but once you said Super Metroid, I'm like, I can't. I have to say something. Yeah. I can't stop. I'm really excited. But, I've always wanted to play through. I've only ever seen screenshots of the game. And I was like, this looks too good to be like a game I, from the 90s. And it's so What is your amazing. take on this? Give them give the, give well, the 411, Carlito. Well, I mean, what is your in- take on this whole, on the, the exploration discovery element of a Metroid game? Well, I, yeah. I, I apologize for going online. I won't. Don't do it again. Um, okay, I my, will go again if I need to look up controls. Like I didn't know I could wall jump. I didn't know what there was a run button. I mean, come on. I don't. That's have the a, funny thing. I don't so have check, a. Check this out. I don't have a so manual. Check this. No, but check this out. So here's the rub. And again, I think this is something that Carlos will remember too. Because yeah, he was talking was and then dis- he cut him off. <laughs> no, just, well, he come back. I want to. I want to hear his take. I'm ready. But yeah. as far as like what you're saying, I didn't know you could wall jump. I know you could do this. No one did. That's how the game was designed to be played. Like, there's a thing. No. That, I'm not even making it up. There was a manual that said that you press left to go. No! You hold the, the way they taught around. you in the game, the way they taught you those things in the game is there were animals that were yeah. actually in the planet that did the thing that you needed to learn how to well, do. You watch mean, an it, animal jump off the walls. Wait, I can do that too. And then you do it. Yeah, that'll, that'll come. But yeah, I think what Pernell is saying is that this game is a prime example of showing you how to play a game without telling you how to play a game and uh the exploration is like yeah i mean i i feel like it's an all-timer like super metro is like i mean it's not even a hot take right it's one of the best games ever so yeah. my my take is that i'm really excited to to know that you're playing this for the first time yeah. that's amazing that's so cool and um it's kind of i mean okay well have you ever played symphony of the night yes but i've never finished it Okay, so I'm already well, seeing I mean, the, I'm already seeing the parallels to it, like really. Yeah, I'm like, because my wife has seen me play through Symphony of the Night three times without finishing it, and she's like, Yeah, I'm like, she's like, this looks familiar, and I'm like, Yeah, this is what everything is based on. Like, this is this right. is like the game people love. Right, and but what I was gonna say is that Super Metroid, and I will keep this short, That's but right. Super Metroid is like the kind of the foundation of that, mm-hmm. and in but in a similar way, I feel like as those games progress, like the different metroid sequels the 2d sequels and then also with uh symphony of the night um there are it's still kind of rough around the edges Mm -hmm. i mean that i'm not talking bad about these games they're amazing and they're like two of my favorite games of all time but um they still have like their own little character like this is before they smoothed out all the edges with sequels and sequels and sequels and Mm -hmm. kind of iron that formula out so the, i think the things that i really like about super metroid and symphony of the night are the kind of like weird quirky things that make it mm. make them like stand out so like uh yeah I, I i wouldn't fault you for looking up stuff but i do feel like a big part of the enjoyment for me from super metroid was like learning that yeah. emergent gameplay right like that's the yeah yeah the hot term what i call like the the language of the game like when i tell yeah. i talk to people about like how like oh I've, I've I've learned I've learned kind of how the how the game wants you to play like how they want you to talk you know and yeah. I can I can kind of understand that like the like Gungeon it teaches you as you play and like what to do and like you, like there's a game loop and how it wants you to like how how it's talking to you and how it wants you to, to do it yeah and, and with, once you get used to Super Metroid there's like actually kind of a like a an execution like ceiling that you can like aspire mm-hmm. to and i mean i know you like fighting games so like sometimes there's like some stuff in super metro where you're like oh man if i'm good enough if i got timing skills and input skills i might be able to get to this spot even though i'm not supposed to get to it and that's 
like one of the fun things yeah. at a higher level. I, I can team. kind of see that happening, especially with the wall jump, which is like almost to me almost right now is almost impossible to. Um, it to was hard form. to me too. Um, but the, the morph ball bombs. But I will say that the the the, the boss to Brinstar or whatever, it was like. I had to look it up because I had to like bomb an area where the elevator was. That was there was nothing telling me to do that. There was mm. like all I, I don't even know how I would have realized to do this one thing to get to the um, to the Varia suit. So and that's why I think it's pretty interesting. I'm, too, I'm, like, I'm really this... surprised that kids were able to figure that out without well, any help. But that's just the thing. I think that's where kids learned it. Like. That and that's a large again a part of like why I was like just no no it wasn't people <laughs> yeah. like to think that I'm like you're a loser if you look for help which has never <laughs> been true. I, I don't want you. Yeah. I don't want anyone to get the wrong impression here. I'm not playing through the game with like a guide next to me while I'm playing. Oh yeah, this was oh, just like sure. me being like I'm playing on an emulator. I'm playing on an Xbox controller. Am I doing something wrong? <laughs> right, and I mean, and I, and I get that. And I do get that yeah, too. Yeah. It's just, it's just I, I. I hold Super Metroid on a very high pedestal mm, yes. for mm -hmm. a lot of reasons. And one of those reasons is because I learned a lot of what I do now from what I did in that game back in 1994. Like it's it's a very special game, which is why like you're saying like I didn't have I had no idea that you bombed this spot to go to this soup. Like no one did. Yeah. No one did. Because, like, in other places, I'm like, it, it shows you where it's like, oh, like, you can see an enemy go down this corridor, and you're like, oh, it goes through a wall. There must be, like, a place I can shoot through the wall there. Or it shows you, like, a crack in the wall that doesn't look like any of the other cracks. I'm like, I understand that. I can figure that out. Like, it's it's a little esoteric, but, like, it's Super Nintendo. You're, you're, you're meant to, like, look for these little differences. But this one and spot Rob, made you're... no sense. <laughs> You're actually keeping things relevant because you're fighting space pirates in Super Metroid. I know. I almost picked a Metroid track today because <laughs> today. Thank you. I got Gosh, you. Gosh. <laughs> I love you, Carlos. Thank you so much. Today no we are we are doing pirates and ninjas, and we are doing the battle for all time. For all space and time, for now. Which means I better bring the heat because my space has to be the best space because that's where I keep all my hot sauces. All right, so now we we can't do because we because we're doing this over Discord. We can't exactly do a um a, a rock paper scissors. Oh. oh, sure we can. Oh, we can. The timing is there. Okay, we can just do, we can do it off camera and then and then and then show it right. You can see it right now. I can see you. Just put your hand up. Your hands up. See, like, one, two, three, yeah, and you yeah, see that. There's a delay. Oh. There's a delay. We do one, two, three off camera, which I realize me shaking my fist off camera looks really strange. <laughs> but we'll do it off camera, and then we'll show it, okay? Okay. And that's that's going to decide who goes first. This All is right. amazing. There we go. Carlos, I'm so sorry. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> yeah. One, one two, two, three. three. <laughs> Shoot. I'm on it, man. Okay, are you ready? I'm here. Reveal. We both want oh, scissors. we have a tie. Listeners, double scissors we got going on right now. All right, here we go. Let's do it again here. All right, one, you know, two. One, two, three. Okay. Show. Now you saw that. You cheated. See, yeah, this is where things get weird. I think what Rob was saying is coming to effect because we had a delay here, listeners, and I see Rob raise his hand with paper and Pernell hesitated. So I don't know who okay. hole shot we it could, or who's at fault. We could <laughs> default to the episode number, which is even, which would be me. 
There you go. Yeah, that works. Is that okay? <laughs> Is that all right? All right. One more try. One more try. Amazing. Just for just for the end of it. All right, ready? Go. One, two, three. Reveal. Double rock. double rock. This is the longest podcast in history. So, so I've known Pernell a little bit longer than I've known my wife. And me and my wife, we do the we we do rock paper scissors to decide a lot of stuff, and we do it super fast. And um, we actually go round we go round over round over round over round over round of um, like just getting the same the same uh, symbol as they call it. I don't know. I am a huge rock paper scissors fan. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I had a coworker that I do rock paper scissors with to actually to decide if we want to avoid having to go to a meeting because only one of us would have to go. <laughs> and once we landed the same, yeah, the same choice, we landed it like seven times in a row. And I was like, "There's some weird voodoo going on. We just got to stop." <laughs> <laughs> That's how you get that synergy. All right. So yeah. uh, my first track. Um, we've only played this game once on the show before. It's a uh, Genesis platformer that I've. I've never heard of, and I, I watched through the entire gameplay today. It's incredible. It's called the High Seas Havoc. Um, with the main character is, is a seal. He's a little pirate, and he's a seal, and he's adorable. And his name is Havoc. Just um, from a rose. And actually, in um, in Japan, his name is Land, and he has a little sidekick, a little baby seal. That's name is Lang. And um, it's so cute, but this game looks amazing. And the soundtrack is really, really good. So this is for the Sega Genesis, High Seas Havoc. We're gonna listen to the track, Like a Gale. And the uh, music is composed by Emi Shimitsu and Masaki Iwasaki. back you're listening to music from high seas havoc this track is called like a gale and it is composed by emi shimitsu and misaki iwasaki and yeah you know that that they use some of that genesis ram just just for a little orchestra hits at the end there <laughs> i like those lower bit rate orchestra hits. <laughs> I know, they're so dope. crunchy they're so yeah. crunchy uh, but they, they work really well good. Yeah, the whole soundtrack is amazing. So yeah, the, um, uh, uh, Carlos was right when we started the track. This is a Data East game. Um, so what it is is like there's like a you're this little pirate seal named Havoc, and he has a sidekick that's like it's like a look look like a little baby seal. I think it even he even has like a, a diaper on. And there's <laughs> a, an emerald that's out there in the world, and it's supposed to supposedly gives you like unlimited power or something like that. And this evil pirate steals it. And well, who wants to steal it and run and wants to steal it and get all of its power? And you find another. Like, I'm assuming it's a seal, like an anthropomorphic female character, um, on a beach or on an island somewhere. 
and um, she has the map to the Emerald. And um, the evil pirate comes and kidnaps the girl and kidnaps your little baby sidekick. And, you, and the whole game is you kind of traveling over ships and over the world, fighting the bosses of like of him and his henchmen um, to re- to to save the um, save the girl and the baby. And it's it's really cute. The characters have like those those um the eyes you know the kind of the eye the sonic eyeball that's like actually one right. eyeball that's kind of like two half semicircles I guess. Yeah, I think yeah. Purnell was talking about that a bit too. It looks like Sonic to me. Actually, kind of get like a um, Rocket Knight vibes from mm. it too. But this is all you know living in that same space. Yeah, it's that Konami pl- it's that Konami platformer style. Like yeah. I can see I can see Rocket Knight, Buster's Hidden Treasure. In fact, the hop the hop and bop is totally Buster's it Hidden is. Treasure. So the character has it does have a sword, but like for the most part it is a hop and bop. So um, you're mm. you're landing on enemies to defeat them. And um, and uh, the first stage it's like out in like this island and it's blue sky, very classic Sega. And it's all like green hills, and it's very like slopey. It looks like Sonic the Hedgehog, but then later on in the game, the the the, the levels get very vertical, and um, very like inside caverns and inside castles and looking type stuff. And it feels more like a like a Western platformer game, like a European platforming style game, in, in oh. that that it's like really vertical. Um, mm. But uh, but yeah, it's it's it looks like a lot of fun. It looks really really cool. This is probably gonna be next on my list. I was trying to gonna I was gonna finish Sonic Three. Uh, based on our last podcast, but now that I'm oh, playing yeah, Super yeah. Metroid, I might just like I might throw this game in just to see because I never played that. I never even seen this one when I was a kid. Um, I've never heard. I'm not actually wondering if it yeah. get, ever got localized or not. Well, this is the. It North- looks like it was released here. Yeah. yeah, this is the North American version because it has it has a different name in Japan and I think in Europe and also in Europe too. But I'm in the same boat though. I never. I've, oh, I mean, in the I, boat. I, it looks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it looks remotely familiar, but I've never played it. And I mean, I do love me some Data East, like Gamadelic oh. stuff. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, it looks. It looks really, really cool. So I mean, as far as like you know, like badassery of a character, like he's a pirate, but he's like an adorable seal. But yeah. if you imagine, like, he can just jump on someone's head and, like, make them explode, that's pretty powerful, right? That is a trait of pirates, though. That's one of the pirate legends. <laughs> it's the peg leg. <laughs> you know, Blackbeard used to, like, the legend of Blackbeard, that he would, like, jump on his enemies <laughs> and then they would explode and, them out. and just disappear. Yeah. Uh, Blackbeard, no, matey! No! <laughs> Shiver me timbers! Oh, mercy, I would... I would pay money to see some random lore like that. <laughs> Don't let Blackbeard get the seven chaos emeralds. <laughs> Actually, we were just talking about Taika Waititi before the uh, before the show, and he's got another um, uh, oh, yeah. show on there called Our Flag Means Death, which mm-hmm. I think you would also appreciate, Purnell. It's uh, oh. it's kind of like a it's a it's a comedy send up of like this pirate like adventure type thing. The um the oh. the captain has no reason. No. Yeah, he kind of gets sucked into yeah. being the pirate captain, even though, I mean, he really wants to be it, but he's not like suited for it at all. Yeah, he's like a he's like an upper class like Englishman who's like wants yeah. to be a pirate. <laughs> it's really silly, and he gets into and like people are like getting killed and murdered around him. He's like, oh my god, oh yeah. wait. Um, but no, this 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 game to me is like re- represents all all things I love about Sega Genesis, like super cute characters, like really tight platforming. And like really, really kick butt music. Like this soundtrack, See, and, 
it's a mix and of bright that. palette. I like the the bright graphics. Yeah, too. really good palette. Um, which people com- people always compare that to the Nintendo, like how like the, the Genesis would have like a kind of a more muted uh, color mm. palette. But I feel like it was just in the right hands. You know, it, it, it was more. Yep. It kind of more contrast to it. You know. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love the soundtrack. It's got that kind of crunchy guitar sound too that you get from the Sega Genesis, like um, from like Skitchin or from those Rob Hubbard tracks. Um, but like done in a more, in a more melodic way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rather than, than just like the really whaley guitar sound. Okay, well that's <laughs> my pirate track. Pernell, you going on ninja style? Yeah, I'm a little sweating over here though because that was a good one. Thanks. Um, now, don't don't thank me. I'm sweating. I'm not. Complimenting, I'm anxious. I'm really anxious. Uh, right uh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> There's the versus style. Right. Uh, so the track I'm going to go with to start this off. Funny enough, I believe you actually picked a track from the original game when you represented ninjas before. Hmm. But this is based off of the remake they did in like late 2019 or so. Oh, and snap. I'm still looking to grab it for sure. Um, oh. because the physical's coming out soon. I'm like, should I? Should I wait? I don't know. Anyway, this comes from the game The Ninja Saviors Return of the Ninja Warriors. Hey, this is the yeah. stage six theme, and it's composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki. Welcome back. You're listening to Stage 16 from the game The Ninja Saviors Return of the Warriors, composed by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki on the Nintendo Switch and probably released on the Xbox and PlayStation, but I'm not sure. I only just bought the game while that track was playing. So, because <laughs> I made my decision. I'm I've got it on for the PS4. So, but. I had to come at this from the uh, hard-hitting track because that last track that Rob selected was really good. This is a a banger of a track, man. This is hitting it. I was honestly... I was extremely fond of the entirety of this OST. It's really good. Uh, It gets better further in the game you get, too, which I feel like a lot of OSTs almost should do that. Not to say that they should have, like, bad tracks or something, but just, like, there's something to be said about 
working to get to the better music. It's like, I earned this. Well, I with, earned I this. I feel like with arcade games, especially with arcade games, classic arcade games, that first track is almost always like the best or like one of, like one of the most memorable tracks. The first one always mm-hmm. is. And yeah, then like the second track gets a little interesting. Then it's the third or fourth track that are like incredible because then it's like, you've made it this far. You've given us like $20. Of, of in quarters, <laughs> now it's time to like really hammer home like this is the good music, but um, but yeah, that first track is always like the earworm, you know, it's it's the Ninja Turtles, it's it's the Final Fight music, it's the it's those all that stuff, and then like second, third stage, fourth stage, it's like whoa, now we're getting Sweet. somewhere. Um, the, so this is a remake, right? This is not just not- yeah, it's a little it's a little complicated, but it the the end result is an amazing experience. The original. Uh, Ninja Warriors was an arcade game developed by Taito, so Zuntada handled the music for for that version. And it was actually really one of these cool, like three monitor big arcade yeah, cabinet super long, situations. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, so then some years later on the Super Nintendo, uh, Natsume actually handled like a reworking of the game. It was less like walk left and right, beat 'em up and more along the lines of like a final fight streets of rage situation and um the 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 controls became a little more involved they redid all the graphics and uh hiroyuki watsuki did the music for that version so this version that we're listening to right now is a remake of that version and um they basically like hdified it but in the most beautiful way like they um, adjusted the graphics to fit a HD screen and some characters they like redid them completely so they fill like the whole screen Ooh. and the the characters look way nicer it's it's they really even added two more apparently yeah there are two extra characters you can play as and oh, one cool. of them is like you're literally playing as like a boss size character so if you imagine like a gigantic ninja robot that's like the size of half of the screen. Yeah. Now <laughs> that's the, what you're playing the as. The characters in the Ninja Warriors, they were all robots, right? Yeah, so it was actually a situation where you when you put your quarter in the arcade game, you figure you're either playing as a guy ninja or a girl ninja. But what happened is if you took damage, you'd start to kind of fall fall apart like the Terminator. So you'd start Ooh. to realize that you were like a robot underneath the human skin. Yeah, and it was also a pretty violent game too, if I remember. Like, I think like the last boss, dirty. like you, like you murder somebody, or there's like an assassination, and you're like, oh, I'm not the good guy, right? Is it something like that? Well, it's yeah, something crazy like that. The way they describe it in this game, they make it sound like you're the good guy, quote unquote. But maybe, maybe either the original, they didn't do it that way, or maybe they subvert your expectation. Yeah. But the whole idea they're claiming you're in the future. This ruler is a complete jerk bag. Ninjas show up. Let's rock shop. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And of course, like, you know, maybe like as a, a kid, I wasn't reading the story. So I'm like, oh, my God, I just killed somebody at the end of this game. But as an adult, <laughs> you're like, you read the story and you're like, oh, OK, maybe there's more to it. But still, it seems very it's a, it's a very violent game for its time. <laughs> I just realized something. I totally just conflated the story of Ninja Warriors with Shadow of the Ninja which I played last night. Oh, yeah. I'll just say, that game's, the plot is literally, not even making this up, they go the years like 2035 or something. Emperor Galbon or something is the ruler of the free world. Ninjas show up to take him down. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like four sentences of I like, a plot. I like the idea that 
in the 90s i felt like in the 90s maybe because we were younger but i felt like just ninjas were everywhere you could have a ninja just show up you know like they, they they're just out there you don't know if they're out there in the bushes and yeah. in, the, in your grocer's freezer anywhere yeah and, and, <laughs> and their body is a weapon you know they didn't need uh, to have yeah. like a sword they could like pick up a, a, a pineapple and throw it at you and murder you <laughs> i don't know it's great how they yeah they romanticize this thing like you're saying like Actually, this is pretty a violent situation. Yeah, ninjas were just straight up like spy assassins. <laughs> yeah, um, but in the like eighties and nineties, they like totally romanticized all of that. They had magic and they flew on kites <laughs> and they could turn into like a shadow and they could walk through walls and that stuff. That like because people, well, I, I guess in history, like ninjas were so uh, they were. They're basically like spies, mm-hmm. so the government or a lord would use them to basically either get information or kill someone. But these dudes were so skilled that it kind of became this mythology. It's like, oh, he can like stick to the ceiling or something. Or <laughs> he can just, you know, disappear and nobody will know. And how could like a dragon and he'll burn you alive? No, he <laughs> yeah. lights a match. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. there was also like I think this fast this this um, Western or American fascination with this eastern mm. mysticism right you know where we yeah. kind of romanticized and also and maybe even fetishized like this asian idea of 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 you know the the the, the, the powerful warrior and like the magic use and all this stuff um, which yeah you know, and actually is that, not, that not, 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 not the nicest thing maybe a little gross in some ways but looking back right. on it it's like oh the ninja warriors that was fun <laughs> <You know? laughs> when you're a kid you're like man i want to throw a ninja star yeah, and, yeah, of you course. know and, it, and you're mixing all of this stuff together you know like i mean on my podcast we talk about asian cinema and all this stuff and mm-hmm. we have covered a couple of films that covered like ninja stuff there's this one movie called Duel to the Death that is insane. And it's all like the things you imagine ninjas doing. They do it in this live action movie. It's awesome. But um, I was going to say this kind of segues into my track, which I'm, I'm having to make my decision now, correct? Yes. Between Rob and Purnell, I, I mean, I'm in ninja mode, so I am going to go with ninjas right now. Yes. And, and that will segue into my pick. So um, uh, my pick for this first round is a track called High Tension, and this is Galford's theme from Samurai Spirit 64. So Samurai Showdown is a series that, uh, you know, was alongside Street Fighter, you know, in the 90s, we're talking about fighting games, and I always love to talk about fighting games, but um, just like in Street Fighter 2, where there's Ryu and Ken, they had a situation in the Samurai Showdown games where they had Hanzo, who is Hattori Hanzo is also based on a legendary ninja, but his Ken counterpart in the Samurai Showdown games is a an American ninja, like you know, like in the American Ninja in the '80s and '90s movies. Um, his name is Galford, and uh, that's the track that I'm choosing for today. Galford, man, what a name! Yeah, <laughs> you think it would be like Dave? Dave <laughs> the Ninja? <laughs> no, he's a noble warrior. He's Galford. Galford. Galf- his parents Galf- knew going in he was going to be a ninja. He raised him to be a ninja. He's Galf. <laughs> his, par- his parents sent him to school. It's <laughs> a ninja school. Ninja school. Ninja school. <laughs> they take attendance. To get in. He had to they take really attendance hard. in ninja school and nobody says anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Galford? Galford? Where's Galford? Ah. <laughs> Straight A's. Never saw him. 
that is something else. We're listening to High Tension, the theme of Galford from Samurai Spirits 64 for the Hyper Neo Geo 64, composed by the SNK Sound Team or Shinsenkai Gakayoku Zetsugiden. Got um, it. Those were words. Yeah, well, I mean, like, there's so, so many people involved yeah. with the SNK Sound Team. And for every yeah. soundtrack, so many, there's probably so many contributing artists that they they, they never actually credit specific um artists in the uh, in the for, for specific songs and and for the official soundtracks oftentimes they'll list maybe the sound team and then for each track they'll have like which artists you know mm-hmm. uh, contributed to the music but for a lot of these snk soundtracks even till till recent years like they don't credit specific artists and i find it frustrating because i would like to like for this track find what other specific tracks this artist worked on because this is yeah. well, at least the composition is it's really 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 impressive um, yeah and and just like a ninja i am breaking the rules a little bit because this is like the arranged version of yeah. that track and but the ninjas they they don't follow the bushido like the samurai do they do whatever they want <laughs> yeah, that's right they'll drop a smoke bomb and stab you right in the back so does that mean so the but they had a master right they weren't like ronin the the ninjas well, had a master Not i mean I, and and i don't know a ton about ninjas i just kind of am pulling from like the stuff that i knew but i am really excited like I, on heroes 3 mm-hmm. i know we're probably going to do an arc on like ninja movies because that's gotta be fun right and i have some ideas of already movies that i want to talk about and one of the things that i really love to do is just do all this homework and figure out learn stuff you know mm-hmm. basically learn about ninjas but what i do know and it's kind of in line with what i was saying before was that ninjas basically became like spies and um actually like a lot of like the mythological things like ninja stars and like smoke bombs and these things they kind of built up over time and it's not really true to what they really did but they basically snuck around either to get information or to kill people and uh eventually when like the this is like during like the feuding eras like the sengoku era of japanese history before that everything was unified and like i mean if you play video games you probably heard the name nobunaga right um and like basically he was trying to yeah, right. <laughs> he's trying to pull everybody together to unify Japan. Basically, he me- that means he was conquering everyone. Yeah, but eventually, unifying I mean, Japan. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't able to do that. But um, yeah. uh, Ieyasu Tokugawa was like working with him, and he was able to accomplish that. And then eventually, the ninjas became basically like the black ops for the government. You know, and um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's cool. But one of the things I did want to talk about with Galford is that, like I said, he's kind of like the Ken equivalent in Samurai Shodown. But one of the things I think is really cool is another trope that you see about ninjas sometimes is that they have a, like a dog companion. Yeah. And in Samurai or, Shodown, or like Galford has, right? yeah, like, uh, he has like a husky with him named Poppy. And uh, she actually is like a projectile attack that he can use too and she'll do the like ninja stuff she'll disappear and reappear and she even like has that izuna drop at one point where they like spin you up in the air and drop you on your head oh, like, awesome. wow. like zangief they and... bite you in the shoulder and get to grab hold yeah it's great yeah so that's really cool i love that idea i love i have a little puppy at home named cardamom and i love the idea that like <laughs> 
I could use her as like a projectile. Like, yeah, exactly. Cardi, attack! <laughs> she yeah. like, oh. <laughs> she, all she I wants think to of do like, is sleep. Um, so uh, what's his name? Shadow in uh, Final Fantasy VI. Oh, Interceptor. Shadow has Interceptor. Yeah, he's got that dog with him too. Yeah, that is a and thing. And what was it? Final Fantasy VIII where Renoa fires the dog like a cannon? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's like her she fires the attack. dog like a cannon? Like the dog actually latches onto her arm, like like a, as if she's like aiming a Buster arm or something, and she just launches the dog, <laughs> and then the dog explodes and comes back to her. It's just this odd thing that someone was like, you know, it'd be a great vital attack for Renoa. She just shoots her dog like a cannon. <laughs> this dog's some kind of supernatural being. <laughs> we don't acknowledge it or talk about it, but you can see it. It's right there. Well, my dog's name is Missile, but I've never thrown him, so... Don't you do it! <laughs> <laughs> I love seeing pictures of your dog online. That's one of my favorite Oh, things. yeah, he's With the best. Happy gotcha day. Yeah, today is actually, yeah. I mean, not to get too personal, but I've had Missile for 10 years today, oh, which is amazing. Great. Oh, I love that. Yeah, oh, yeah he's that's, awesome. That's awesome. Thanks, best guys. name origin ever, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, I think we're back to... Uh, um, Back to me, right? Is that what's happening? Yes. Oh my god. Unless you want to yield. <laughs> Do you yield, <laughs> sir? Wow, that's some pirate talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now. Robin Village. Right, we're we're, we're going to stick with the fighting games because for pirates, you can look no further than Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Yes. With Ruby Heart. This you is. a big heart for thievery. <laughs> we're going to listen to the track Ruby's Airship, composed by Tetsuya Shibata for Marvel vs. Capcom. Part two. back and you're listening to the theme of Ruby Heart or Ruby Heart's airship from the game Marvel vs. Capcom 2 composed by Tetsuya Shibata 
There are um, two composers um, credited on the soundtrack, but this specific uh, track was Tetsuya Shibata. Man, I love the music to this game. When I first mm, heard the music too. to Marvel Capcom 2, it didn't click because I was used to hearing mm -hmm. more exciting music during like <laughs> these like big fighting yep. uh, uh, games. But um, it was over time that I really grew to appreciate like the jazzy nature of this game. And oh, the the bass licks in this song are yeah. oh man, really really cool. Um, I said, yeah, Ruby Hart was a pirate, and she was after, what, I guess, what was it, the Abyss or whatever secret super special yeah. item that gives you, like, everyone, like, grand powers in this game, right? It's weird because there are no, like, dialogue cutscenes in Marvel vs. Capcom 2 because there was, like, literally, like, 65 characters. But if you beat the game, they show you just, like, images. Mm -hmm. And they kind of you can kind of infer that it was thanks to her that everything was happening or whatever but yeah who knows? up until now i didn't even know there was anything linking the characters or anything it was just like here's a hodgepodge of people beating the snot out of each other yeah isn't that yeah. what you wanted was it the uh, the marvel it wasn't until they, they tried to really like marvel capcom 3 that they were really trying to make it feel like oh the characters ended up in the same universe somehow how does mm -hmm. the, how does that happen but from what i've read in the, in the, wake, was the middle of a deposition and suddenly <laughs> <laughs> suddenly yeah he shows up and he's got to fight wesker but no i was um I was reading through the wikis and I was like, oh my God. So I, I assumed that Ruby was a Marvel character because she just kind of looks like a Marvel character. She's a, she's like this, this tall, like she's got like the pirate hat on and the boots on and she's, she's got all these cool like moves like, like, uh, um, like with like anchors and stuff. And I was like, she's, she's really, really neat. But um, no, she's a Capcom character originally designed for the Vampire Savior series. And um, and and from what I've read is that she's the catalyst that kind of brings the characters from the two universes together in order to get the emerald or, or the the power that I guess the emerald's from the last game, but the power from the abyss or whatever the last boss is. I don't know this game very well. I just <laughs> I've I've only ever played people. I've never played the computer that much. <laughs> yeah. um, I just like the music. You're gonna dry your eyes. <laughs> And then, uh, but from what I've read, at the end of the game, uh, she gets the power and it's cracked, right? It's no good to her anymore, and she throws it back in the ocean, like, <laughs> she it away. like yeah. that old that comic with the guy reading the scroll. Yeah, yeah. And, and she only makes one more appearance, and it's in Marvel Capcom three or Marvel Capcom Infinite, and it's like in like the dark world. It's like a dark future. Um, oh, really? Uh, yeah. And there's in the background there is a picture that says wanted dead or alive and it shows all of these characters oh. from Marvel Capcom 2 and it says um incarcerated it says like caught or slow oh, right that's yeah. right so that's that, meant to be the reference for days of future past exactly. right yeah. yeah so they yeah they're they're riffing on that iconic image from days of future past x-men comic but they're using like yeah marvel and capcom yeah it shows like iceman is like dead ryu is dead and <laughs> ruby hearts in there and she's caught you know she's captured or nice. whatever so oh that's kind of oh cool. that's funny yeah. yeah, but that's the only ever time you ever see her in this game, and you see her in that, and like, and that—that's it. And it is nice strange when, She's yeah, still quite the beast. They they put so much effort to make a cool looking character like that, and then it's kind of just, oh, we'll never see him again. <laughs> well, that, well, you said like we got sixty five characters in this game, and yeah, it's something um, like that. And, and the tier list is like you have like what maybe five or ten at the top, so no one's not, you, you don't get a lot of people playing these lower tier characters. And I believe Ruby is one of the lower tier characters. So 
Um, yeah. Sometimes you just have tournaments that make you use bottom rung characters just to spice it up. Just there to say, are, yeah. there are, yeah. there are, and they're they're really fun to watch. Like watching, yeah. like watching college football or you know a college level sport. They're really fun to watch because it's just you know people are are, are working with what they have rather than working at, at the elite level. You know, and it's uh, I find it a lot more interesting. Are yeah, Sakura it is cool and to Tron see. Bond in the top tier? No. Um. No. Well, Tronbon's mm-hmm. cl- farther up. Soccer is like way low. Tronbon has like a good um, assist, and I think she has like a pretty easy infinite. Um. But um, yeah, she doesn't really crack that top. Um. But I do really, yeah. Like like you said, Rob, I really enjoy seeing people take lower tier characters yeah. and executing at a high level. And I think you know the more popular Marvel two heads like Justin Wong and Yipes and stuff have kind of migrated over to doing like youtube content and a lot of that is doing these exact things that we're talking about like i know justin wong's sometimes he would do a stream where he would just take team requests and try to do 100 percent combos (laughs) (laughs) and he's that's awesome yeah yeah, it's with so many characters and so many moves in this game like there's a lot of room for creativity which Mm -hmm. is really really cool what i found was interesting the more i was got into watching like professional or I guess the the competition play of this game was that even though there might be like like the highest level there's like five heavy hitters in this game right you got like Sentinel and you've got uh, Dr. Doom and Magneto but what a lot of people would do is they'll take two heavy hitters and then one kind of mid-tier character and that's their anchor and they would Mm. play through the whole game as the mid-tier character and only use the other two as assists or as backup for like you know combos and stuff and um I always thought that was really interesting because I kind of played that way when I was playing this in the arcade because I got really good with Rogue, but like not really good with anybody else. And I knew Rogue wasn't really high, high tier, but I could always kind of manage. If I kept her alive, I could kind of keep <laughs> things going. Yeah, and I was like, oh, nice. that's, that's actually a real strategy people were doing. I didn't realize that. I think my team was pretty much Tron Bond, Sakura, and Mega Man. <laughs> nice. Mega Man was tough to play. He was always hard to play, I think. He's just charging that Mega Buster the whole time. Yeah. Pretty much. Lunch was like freaking like Tornado Ho! Tornado Ho! Like, they gave the most oh, yeah, bizarre the hodgepodge of weapons. Like, he had like a. The, yeah, Mega Man 8, like, moveless. So he had, like, the soccer ball and soccer ball. <laughs> tornado <right>. hold. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that, was that Mega Man 8 or was that just Mega Man soccer? No, it was 8. It was 8. <laughs> it, was eight. it was the yeah. oddest thing they just randomly say, here, now Mega Man gets a, uh, a kickball. Have fun with this. It was yep. like he gets the rock ball, tornado hold, the leaf shield for leaf, some reason. Leaf shield, yeah. And, the, and then, like, a couple rush transformations. Yeah, Rush Drill, uh, Beat. He had the Beat Jet. And then yeah. he turned into, like, Super Mazinger Z Mega Man. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> yeah right. that was an awesome attack. Roll yeah, does that, really too, cool. right? Yeah, Roll, Roll yep. turns into something like that. Mm-hmm. What's cool she's, is, like, way at the bottom. She's, oh, like, the worst character. She's, she's her own tier. I've read that she's, like, she's a Roll tier. Yep. <laughs> like, Surf Bot's above Roll. <laughs> Darn. <laughs> um, Maybe because Roll, the Surf Bot's hitbox is, like, is lower. I think what was exciting about having Mega Man in this game was that his fierce punch was just the Mega Buster. So like yeah. having a one button projectile was a cool idea, but in, in practice, like the game is so frantic, it doesn't really make. That and much it didn't do much damage unless you charged it anyway. So it was just like, eh. yeah, yeah. It's like the, it's like, it's, like, it's like just like the Mega Buster, right? It's just a little. It shoots lemons. Otherwise, it always, made me, <laughs> it always made me mad too, because I always like was Mega Man would have been perfect if you could just do something similar to how Rival Schools um, Home release in the U.S. did it. 
where you can unlock different, you'd be able to unlock different versions of Mega Man with different move combinations, oh, or weapon cool. sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The closest we came to that, I want to say, was like that one, uh, was it? It's like one of those like Samurai, was it Samurai Showdown, some four player fighting game on the, I want to say it was the GameCube or PS2. Mm. And you could unlock Mega Man EXC in that. Oh, that was that Onimusha. There's like an Onimusha versus game. There it was, the Onimusha Cube. fighting game. Wow, I yeah, don't remember what it was. Wow. And you can unlock the Battle Network version of Mega Man in that game. Man, we're talking like, about yes. four-player fighting games. All my mind immediately went back to the Wu-Tang Clan game. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, old, yeah, you guys old were Dirty versus that. RZA versus Rockman.exe. Versus it. the Kim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, versus the Thrill Kill crew. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's my pirate, Purnell. Bring in the ninjas. Let's see if I can bring what it have. If I have what it takes to take out Ruby Hart, maybe I do. Maybe <laughs> I don't. But it'd be nice if she at least had enjoyed me for dinner or coffee because she's awesome. Anyway, this track <laughs> is from the game Naruto Clash of Ninja Two. This is the schoolyard theme composed by one or more of these people. Um, Shinji Hosoe, Ayako Sasso, Yosuke Yasui, oh, man. and Masashi Yano. Those are some heavy hitters right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was surprised they did this game, to be perfectly honest with you. Wow. Welcome back. You're listening to the Schoolyard theme from the from Naruto Clash of Ninja 2 on the Nintendo GameCube, composed by Shinji Hosoe, Ayako Sasso, Yosuke Yasui, and possibly Masashi Yano. One or more of those people did this track. Now, it's interesting. Like I kind of gravitated towards this game when I had to choose ninjas because, specifically, because this is probably the first and only GameCube import I ever purchased. Back oh, in 2003, it. it was called Naruto Gekuto Ninja Tyson 2. It came out in 2003, and I bought it at Katsukon because I played it in the game room, thought it was an amazing fighting game, like a party fighting game, 
when I had to have it. It didn't come to the States for like another four years, believe it or not. Now, per Pernell, did you, did you get the GameCube boot disc, the import boot disc? Is that how did you play it? Import. That's what I did. I got the, I got the boot disc, that disc exchanger. I think yes. Or like so that. I got the same cartridge. I got that same boot disc, man. Oh, so <laughs> but you have this game too? Yeah. My yeah. man. My That's man. Awesome. <laughs> so it's interesting. Like people, like if you talk to people about Naruto now. There might be some harsh words they'll say about, ah, it's just another, it wants to be Dragon Ball, or anything people like to say about it. But, I feel like, despite the fact that I honestly enjoyed Naruto up to the end of the show, up to the end of Shippuden, for me, the, the best period in that franchise was the early years. Back when they were specifically focused on, like, ninja techniques and what the individual characters' family specialized in and how they used it in combat. Like... You had the Shadow Jutsu guy, you had the person who did mind control, the person who was good at cloning themselves, the one that used sand. Like, they had tons of different, you know, attack variety types. And it kind of did a good job of, like, bringing the constant, like, ninja techniques and ninja combat to the forefront of this medium without it being particularly, like, bloody and violent. So, I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. And it was cool to when I got into the show, and this was like, man, how's this guy going to fight against that guy when this, when this specialty doesn't do well against that specialty? I liked seeing that. And then it became, hey, I've got this really cool bijou power. I'll just, I'll just, destroy, I'll just melt the screen or whatever, whatever. People just got supercharged and hyper-powered. Stole a bunch of... Stole a bunch of fireballs. <laughs> There's a beeper! There's a beeper! Sometimes. <laughs> I could talk about Naruto a little bit and I feel like we're vibing in the same way so I was really into Naruto when it came out and um, yeah Rock Lee was my dude and uh, Asian Kung Fu Generation was getting me hype and uh, yeah this GameCube game came out and I was like oh it's a Naruto fighting game but I was like fighting games on the GameCube I don't know about that but then when I played that game I was like whoa this is a lot of fun and actually it's developed by um, A-Ting the people that did Bloody Roar, and actually they're the developer that would go on to do Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Oh. And um, yeah, so they put together a really nice 3D fighting game. And I think there was like four of those on the GameCube. And um, uh, yeah, 2 was the one that I, that was like my, I think my first import game on the GameCube. And I really had a good time with that game. And it's funny too, you mentioned Rock Lee because whether people know it or not, Rock Lee inspired so many people in that era and beyond in regards to like working out at the gym and getting stronger <laughs> because of his whole wearing the, the weights. weights and then drops the weights. Like people like to say Goku did it, but I stand as much as as, as iconic as Dragon Ball is in general. <laughs> I feel like the whole weighted equipment thing was made iconic by by Rock Lee because that Rock scene Lee was just Gaara, so. Yeah. They made it so perfect. Like, Let me take these weights off. I was like, boom! It's like blew up the floor. And yeah, he starts like great. dashing around. But that was amazing. And I, I held you. Honestly, this is me, you know, nerd dorkifying myself a bit here. Rob might remember this. That was an era back when I actually did try to buy ankle weights to try to like increase my like my mobility. Like I actually <laughs> nice. bought like two pairs of like ten pound ankle weights. Why do you say like this is in the past? Like I've seen you wear like like arm weights. No, now I wear the forty pound vest, and it's for a different reason. That's <laughs> purely for like weight resistance to just get like tired and like <laughs> just burn out on the street. But 
when I bought those ankle weights, it was specifically with that same mindset. Like, maybe if I get really good at running with ankle weights, maybe when I take them off, I'll just be able to be much it's faster so, because my body's so, used to it. It's so bad for your joints. It's oh, so I learned that very quickly. <laughs> not do that. So bad. It was like, you. use them for like weight exercise, but not for running. No, the vest is good. The vest is good. And, and, um, and some people wear like a, a belt with like weights attached to it. Um, like on a chain, like when they're doing um, like pull-ups and stuff like that. I'm not that well, advanced. <laughs> and that's also like, I mean, in the 80s and 90s with ninja stuff, kids were grabbing ninja swords and throwing ninja stars. You see that stuff and you think it looks so cool. I want to do it. Yeah, remember people used to make paper ninja stars in school. Yep. I can. St- I, can- I think I could still make one. I feel like I, I got really good at it. I, got- I was really into like origami type stuff. Or <laughs> paper craft. That's know. awesome. But I, th- I think All I right, well... It's time for me to make another decision, right? Dun, and this dun, is a dun. very tough one. So I'm vibing with Pernell, but we got Marvel vs. Capcom 2, and man, I love Marvel vs. Capcom 2, so I am going to go with Pirates this round. Ah! Don't hold it against me. <laughs> I'm pointing at him! I'm pointing at him! <laughs> so well, my choice for uh, Pirates is Snakey Shanty from Donkey Kong Land 2. We're not doing a Donkey Kong Country track, um, but it was originally composed by David Wise. But for the Game Boy, it was arranged by Grant Kirkhope, oh. and I, I can talk about that when we get back. You're listening to music from Donkey Kong Land 2 for the Game Boy. This is Snaky Shanty, composed by David Wise and arranged for the Game Boy by Grant Kirkhope. This comes from our guest, Carlos. So you said you have some information about the arrangement of this track? Not really, but or- I do have a little bit of history with the track. So um, you messaged me, and I mean, I'm not faulting you. It was kind of a short notice thing, so I was like, oh, crap, I got to pick some tracks. <laughs> yeah, right? it was, yeah. <laughs> and I was, I was out walking my dog with my wife, and I was talking to her a little bit about this, and I was like, oh, I got to pick, like, a pirate track. And she's like, you got to do this track. And I was like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, like, so she she owns the cart. I don't even have this game. Oh, wow. But I played it when I was a kid, but this is a Joanna pick, actually. <laughs> so shout-outs to my wife. Oh, awesome. <laughs> she saved my butt here. And, um, but I had a couple of backups, like, I actually was thinking about maybe picking a Cervantes track from Soul Calibur, because that dude's pretty badass. And, to get more personal, too, his last name is my last name, which is pretty awesome. 
<laughs> but um yeah this donkey kong land track super fun it kind of has like a gameplay it was a gameplay galleon like yeah, riff it. at the beginning of it but it kind of goes into this more cheery happy thing and i really like that you enjoyed the drum fill part right yeah, there. yeah i was listening to it and then you guys were talking and all of a sudden i'm like was there like a little weird like game boy crunchy like drum break that <laughs> to break into the next bit and there was. I wonder. It was. Were there like um, intros to the stages? Like maybe this was like part of the intro to a stage, and then, and then the guy kind Ooh, of jumped. Well, I remember in. you just jump right in their level. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're just getting in there, and it was funny too because, you know, the Donkey Kong Country games were like these CGI, like pre-rendered, like models, and then <laughs> translating that to the Game Boy really doesn't work that well. You got a lot of like scratchy pixel artwork going on, but I still... always got a good chuckle out of the concept of Donkey Kong Country because, I mean, I'm saying this is a guy that loved playing Donkey Kong Country one and also the second game too. Didn't really bother the third, but I remember when they came out with Donkey Kong Country, that was Nintendo saying. Because, you know, the N64, they were having, like, development delays on that, so it was taking them longer than they intended to get it out. And the PlayStation and the Saturn were rolling along, yeah. taking some of their share base. And they were like, no, no, you don't, you don't need 32-bit graphics. The Super Nintendo could do all that. Look, here's a monkey. <laughs> they yeah, gave me Donkey Kong Country. And honestly, it really did look fantastic at the time. Yeah. I it also... still actually does. Yeah, I also remember, uh, like, Killer Instinct in the arcade. That that game came out, like, way before, like, the N64 came out. And if you go to the arcade, if you ever see a Killer Instinct arcade cabinet and just let the attract mode run, it, set, it gives you a preview for the Ultra 64. It's, like, coming next what? year, uh, the Ultra yeah. 64. Because they like, were intending to put it on there, and they eventually yeah. did, but it took a while to get there. Because... Yeah, yeah, it's like so they ended up porting Killer Instinct to the Super Nintendo in a similar way to like Donkey Kong, but you know, and, and the, the way the graphics looked. But um, it wasn't until Ki Gold, which is like a port of Killer Instinct 2, that it came to the N64. Mm-hmm. I still remember those days because my friends were like rabid about uh, Killer Instinct, but that was also back when I wasn't touching fighting games. So <laughs> if I wanted to interact with my friends while they were hyped up on Killer Instinct, I had to just kind of suck it up and figure out how to enjoy myself. So I would just pick Black Orchid. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just like try to win, just to like okay, I can fit in everybody. Black Orchid for the win. Oop, nice. I, no, I lost again. Oh, wow. So some uh, Janet Jackson action. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the um at the so they, they they showed some of the gameplay of, of Donkey Kong Country at the Consumer Electronics Show in 1994. In attendance, it says, it says attendance took one look at it and assumed it was going to be on Nintendo's new hardware, the yeah. Ultra 64. But then when they heard it was going to be on the Super Nintendo, they were like, wait a minute, no way. <laughs> yeah, like, they, yeah. They, they they worked some magic on that. Cause um, it's really, there's one really thing, interesting. It's like, if there's one thing you could say about Nintendo during that era, is they knew, their developers knew how to make their games look good when they had to, like, buy some time, quote-unquote. Because they really were pushing this as, like, you really don't need a 32-bit system where you can play Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they can yeah. just render the... Sp- Make render all the sprites as if they were um, 3D images and just make it all look really, really clean. From what I've read somewhere, the um, the characters have like additional frames of animation, like mo- like way more animation than any other platformer would normally have. And I'm trying Whoa. to imagine how that would translate into a Game Boy game. Yeah, 
uh, badly. cut back. <laughs> it's like, um, I think of like Mortal Kombat on the Game Boy too, oh, man. This is like one of the ugliest things you'll ever see on that green screen. Ooh, mm -hmm. it's rough. They took, they took a number of shortcuts though, and also by the time, or well, maybe not by the time Donkey Kong Land 1 came out, but Donkey Kong Land 2, the Game Boy Color was already out. I'm almost positive. Yeah, I think that there's like Game Boy Color compatibility in Do Donkey Kong Land 2. Alright, I'm, I'm watching some like gameplay of this game. I had to. It's ooh, Cut. ooh. <laughs> you know what though? Like, the like the size is right, and it looks like Diddy Kong. It looks like Donkey Kong. Like they got it, but like they're still trying to do that, um, that kind of rendered 3D look to the characters with just four, essentially four, yeah. four shades of gray. <laughs> it's not not working out too great. They're just jamming it in there. Yeah, they yeah. were working at it though, like. But I know that if it was on the Game Boy Color, like developed for the Game Boy Color, that system did have a little bit more power than the regular <laughs> Game Boy did. So they could do a little bit more with that. Oh, the animation still looks legit though. Like the animation still looks uh, remarkably smooth. Um, for the, but that's what I was imagining. Because like, I feel like if they were to cut back on. The, um, maybe the the detail of the of the sprites and of the characters. Then at least they would try to keep in the frames of animation, and it, and it actually looks yeah. pretty decent. So you know the but, amazing um, part about these games though is the fact that you have like so you have Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong Country two and three, and then of course Donkey Kong Land, and then the print the most recent release is like Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Gameplay wise, they really haven't changed much at all yeah. <laughs> from that entire window. <laughs> but they're still fun games. Yeah. And I mean, we were talking about the graphics, but what I do want to say is that translating the music to the Game Boy, I think, was a much more like, successful mm. uh, job. Because I think that, and, I, you know, I listened to the uh, Donkey Kong Country 2 version of this song, too, and it's good, but I think that there's something really nice about the Game Boy sound set to this arrangement yeah. Yeah. it works a lot better to me than the super nintendo version does yeah i had a similar yeah. vibe but with i'm not a super nintendo game of course but mega man so you know of course they had the mega man games on the nintendo and then they had Rockman world for the game boy games and i didn't play mega man 5 on the nes until i was like in my like late like my mid to late 30s but i played Rockman world 4 when I got that game in the States and that was my first exposure to Mega Man five levels. Oh. So when I finally got to play the NES games, I was like, you know, I think I prefer the Napalm man theme in the game boy game to the NES game. Yeah. They're oh, arranged wow. just, like, just like a little bit my... differently. The, the hardware on the game boy, the sound hardware on the game boy and the Nintendo are very similar, but they're different enough that when they were arranged for the game boy, they were just a little bit different. Yeah. I'm going to have to look that up. Cause Napalm man's like one of my favorite, yeah. Robot Master yeah. themes. Now I knew yes. only knew about the, the the Donkey Kong Country tracks arranged for the Game Boy because our our listener and our friend uh, Michael Bridgewater um, submitted some of the the game the Donkey Kong Country Game Boy tracks for our YouTube station. And when I heard them, I was just like blown away, like how different and how like really cool they sound as chip tunes, but like yeah. chip tunes of that era. All right, so moving on, we are done our original. Amazing tracks here. We are on to the bonus round. B -b 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 bonus round. Gonna shoot me timbers with my clown. Everybody, gonna make it a word. Let's go. <laughs> was, that, uh, was that like saying like, oh, maybe the pirates are gonna 
beat the ninjas this time around? Because he did a little no, they're shanty not. for me. Oh, maybe you did. I just like shanties, but no, <laughs> pirates, pirates aren't touching ninjas. I, I, I'm I, on the pulse. Yeah, I know you like to shanty it up. The uh, the bonus <laughs> the bonus rounds. Oh, I'm sorry, shandy, a shandy, like a, a beer shandy. So much shandy. Uh, the uh, bonus round is where we play covers and remixes and arrangements on our theme. My track. I forgot what I picked here. Let me look it up here. Oh, I got it here. We're going to, we're going back to the SNK Sound team. We're going to listen to "Sympathy for the Wolves." This Whoa, is that, the that track from, title is amazing. Yeah, yeah, the King of Fighters 15. This is essentially an arranged version of the track "Bad Girl" for the character Bon Jeanette from Garou, Mark of the Wolves. Um, what you gonna do? Who then made reappearances in I think two of the King of Fighters games. So this is it. Sympathy for the Wolves by the SNK Sound Team. listening to the track sympathy for the wolves from the game king of fighters the king of fighters 15 xv ladies and gentlemen composed by the snk sound team um, this is also an arrangement from the uh, theme for Bonjanette from the game garo mark of the wolves also composed by the snk sound team her theme is called bad girl question mark <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh but yeah this is a rocking track like the, the other the, the original versions are really cool sounding and even like there was a second version, I think, for one of the other earlier King of Fighters games. Um, that sounds really good. But like for 15, like they went full Cowboy Bebop. And it's just amazing. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. So this this track is meant to represent the, the team of characters that represent the game uh, Mark of the Wolves or Guru Mark of the Wolves. And uh, but for to represent the team they chose the theme song to Bon Bonnet or Bon Jeanette who ha- has not really been in any other uh, game in the series and uh, he's just I felt like was a, a character created for 
Mark of the Wolves, and then mm-hmm. nothing else. Yeah, she's got like a pirate crew with her, like, and they'll show up in wind poses, and yeah. um, she's she's wearing like a kind of a fan, like a dress, but she's a pirate character, and I think she's a really cool character, and actually the t- the whole team's pretty good. I think it's Gato, Bijanet, and Rock. I think Rock Howard is the other yeah. character. Rock was and, awesome, um, awesome. In yeah, Wolves, he's yeah. really good in any game that he's in usually. And I remember in Garo, Mark of the Wolves, there's like a, it's basically the reverse of parries. It's called just defense. Yeah. So instead of tapping forward, you're tapping back an impact and it's like a, a parry attack. But she had like, for me, one of the hardest inputs in the game, which is like, she had a super that you have to input like four button combination at the moment of the just defend so you have to hit back just in the right time and in that window you have to hit like four inputs and it was like kind of like a raging demon kind of style move but i've i think maybe i did it once (laughs) in training mode like to land that in a match like oh man i'd have to really practice yeah i have this for the dreamcast i had i'd done a lot of training this game just because it was um, it was a very technically uh, difficult game to master a very it's one of those games that has like a very small cast of characters and like a whole lot of uh, depth to each of the characters it was around the same time I was really really into third strike and so training myself to parry by pushing backwards instead of forwards was very <laughs> very hard to get my head around but yeah um, the it, fact that it's kind of yeah, it, it's kind of like the third strike equivalent for Fatal Fury, and like it's like that or real bout Fatal Fury two. Like those are like the kind of two favorite like competitive wise Fatal Fury games that people play. I really like real bout two. That's like my favorite. But Garo is cool too. And actually recently, um, there's been so they they said that they were working on a sequel to Garo Mark of the Wolves, but they never actually completed it. But recently some uh images came out of unfinished characters with frames actually so people like on twitter have been taking those frames and making the animations out of <laughs> oh, that's it that's awesome so you can see like how these characters would have looked so it's probably pretty cool yeah they have like you see like terry he has a couple new animations and then there was a girl that was like kind of like a joe higashi who was like the kickbox character in fatal fury games yeah but she's like a, the sakura equivalent to joe higashi so she's like a young girl kickboxer and they you can you can see on twitter some people made like animations based on the frames that they've seen oh that's pretty cool, cool. yeah i remember yeah. when i first saw garo mark of the wolves it was it was a lot like it was a lot like third strike where i thought wow all of these games and all these games series of games are moving towards 3d but like snk like they decided to keep it like two dimensional, mm-hmm. just really detailed, really colorful sprites, and there's there was something about the sprites and Mark of the Wolves that were just so unique. Like they were almost like the colors were saturated and almost a little limited, but the animation was so smooth for each one, mm. so good. And the backgrounds feel, are really pretty. Like too. if they were to make another one of these games, I I like I don't care how good 3D is now. <laughs> I hope they do sprites because they look yeah. amazing. I feel that way too. Yeah. All right, Pernell, we're on to we're back to we're back to the ninja territory here. This is this was oh, yeah. Pirate World. What's happening over in Ninja Land? I was asking before changing the track proper, I was gonna say far sprite work goes. I'm I'm positive they've done better since then, but the game that I recall standing out 
and a more modern-ish fighting game that I've played that had good sprite work was the Rumblefish. Oh, Pernil, I have information on the Rumblefish for you. <laughs> oh. I just saw, like, there's a, a Japanese company that's supposedly going to be porting Rumblefish 1 and 2 to console. And Rumble, Really? Yeah, Rumblefish 2 never got an official console port. And I, I literally just saw that, like, yesterday morning. And I was like, no way. Wow. I just love that you mentioned the Rumblefish because I like that game, too. I imported it. And um, it had, like, this interesting segmented animation to it yeah it was i was gonna say it reminds me of like those like those like old puppet things where like you can mm-hmm. see the joints on them and they moved independently based yeah. on like how they wanted to animate them yeah it so was... like when it came to 2d sprites these characters were animated in segments oh. so you can actually like damage the characters and their costume would change based on their damage which is a really fun idea it kind of looks like a yeah i guess what would you say, Pernell, like a marionette kind of look yeah. to it? But it, it kind of had a cool, distinct style. It's a great idea to like separate um, mm-hmm. individual characters from being, from being one individual sprite to being multiple yep. sprites that they can move around. And <laughs> I, like I the, looked up uh, Rumblefish, the... and there was actually a movie in, yeah. from 1983 called Rumblefish. <laughs> right. Um, um, the Vanillaware games, like Odin Sphere... And Muramasa, yeah. those games are animated in that style too. And um, they're actually, we were talking about Natsume earlier, but Natsume developed a series of Gundam fighting games for like the PS1 called Gundam the Battlemaster. And those games are animated in that style too, which works a lot better for a robot, you know, compared to a humanoid looking character. And uh, I think that those games look really nice. Yeah, I've, I've seen the Gundam game before because like, like the way the robots move more mechanically, like the idea of the sprites moving independently of each other looks a lot more natural. Well, yeah. not naturally meaning that it's unnatural. <laughs> you know, it's a more mechanical, mechanical yeah. moving. Nice um, pull, Pernell, the Rumblefish. Nice. I don't think I, that the Rumblefish has ever been mentioned on a video game music podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that got me wondered. That's Someone awesome. has to have brought it up at least once. There's some decent music in those games, actually. The characters yeah. look really cool, though. Well, like, yeah, I, I get down with that sometimes. I get, I get into some games. I just suck at all of them. But I get it in. <laughs> I get it in. <laughs> nice. Um, so, but my last track is actually... I had to pull from a very specific game because if I'm going to talk about ninjas, it has to be from the first ninja-based game that I remember playing. I'm, maybe I haven't, but guess what? As far as I'm concerned, this is the first ninja game I've ever played. That is Ninja Gaiden, the first game, of course. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I came across an interesting cover from an old friend. I say friend, but I'm sure he's like, I never met that guy in my life. And I understand. <laughs> he has never met me. But still, I want to call him friend. Anyway, this comes from a guy that goes by the name of Banjo Guy Ollie. I referenced him a few weeks ago in regards to Monster Boy and the Cursed Kingdom. And apparently he did a really cool cover of the Masked Devil theme from that game. So we're going to listen to that right now, and I hope you guys enjoy it.
Ninjas Welcome. win. <laughs> <laughs> you just listened to the Mass Devil cover theme from the game Ninja Gaiden, covered by Banjo Guy Ollie. Uh, I've mentioned in the past on the show that I'm a huge sucker for when remixers take a tra- or cover artists take a track that has an otherwise extremely short loop, yeah, and somehow turn it into like a good three plus minutes or so of variations and shifts to just make it feel like it's progressing the entire time. It's emotional. That was really yeah, amazing. Yeah. Took us on a ride. Mm. Yes. And coming from the fact that it's based off of Ninja Gaiden, which for those who may not know, Ninja Gaiden was, upon release, toted as being the one of the first, if not the first, cinematic video games in the sense that even though it was an action platformer, they intended to tell a story, like a cinematic-based like story. And as far as I'm concerned, I think they succeeded. I was really engrossed in the narrative in that game. Like, oh my god, he's got to run across, he's got to save Irene, he's going to run through this area. And they had to hope that the speed lines, he was running in the middle of the day to get across the valley. Those uh, cutscenes rule, man. That intro with his dad running in the field in the moonlight. Oh, he man. Just capitalizes I've, in that like slash oh i've watched yeah. i would watch that and rewatch that over and over again it just felt Me like too. watching like a ninja or a samurai movie yeah I like that yeah that was total sound ninja cinema like mm. that was a trope back then I the whole it. ninjas fighting in the middle of the night under the moonlight cover two people slash but who made it out who survived <laughs> who connected first you know it was it it's fantastic and the mass devil theme refers to I always get the name wrong because it's not exactly Jack Wheel. It was the guy who, who was like Jack Wheel's like main like main henchman. I guess he was the Mass Devil in that sense. But he had an actual name. Who's just lose me right now? I don't remember that. But yeah. he basically was like the guy you had to fight at the top of the ruins at the end of Act Five. And this was the theme that played during a number of his interactions with him. It was such a good track, though. Yeah. In the game and here. So yeah, I love what he did. It sounded like an accordion or something that was doing those long sustained notes. Uh, obviously, the banjo was doing the kind of those arpe- arpeggiations in the background. But wow, that, that was something else. Okay, Carlos, bring the heat. What yeah, you got? Well, Close us yeah. out. Ninjas win. All right, guys. So <laughs> <laughs> my bonus round track <laughs> is a, a whirlwind uh, from Shinobi Three. And this is an arranged, this is like a, a remix done by a group called Shred Nobi. Who, <laughs> uh, they've released a whole album of uh, Shinobi 3 uh, arrangements. They're like a metal band. And they're, they're my homies, actually. I've, I've been working with them on some stuff. But besides that, I think they're awesome. And um, this uh, was originally composed by Morihiko Akiyama, Masayuki Nagao, and Hirofumi Murasaki. And uh, yeah, like I said, this was originally from Shinobi 3, and the track is called Whirlwind.
Okay, you're listening to Whirlwind, originally from Shinobi 3 by the band Shrednobi. Yeah, these dudes are pretty hardcore. I love them. And uh, yeah, like I said, I've, I've been fortunate enough to do some artwork for some stuff that hasn't come out yet, but I'm really excited for people to see it when it does. That's awesome. I did like a x-men piece for them which is like kind of like a young carlo's dream get to do some i said i'm doing i'm officially doing unofficial x-men art <laughs> <laughs> so i was really happy with that but yeah the yeah the, these, the artwork for this cool. track like they or for this album that they did for the, for the shinobi music is really cool looking it's so cool and actually yeah that was one of the things where i knew they had this album out already and the artwork looks so cool i'm like I got to bring my A game, man. Yeah. I got to make it live up to this or surpass it. So hopefully when people see that, that's how they feel too. All right. Well, for more information on the bonus round, you can go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to all of these artists, band camps and SoundClouds, YouTubes, everywhere where you can go and buy the music and support these artists. Let's get down over there. Yeah. <laughs> There's my grog. All right, thank you for. Oh, there it is. Was is that coffee? It was a hop tea. This is a hop tea. Hop tea. Thank you for joining us on episode 33-6, Pirates versus Ninjas, with our good buddy Carlos. Carlos, thanks for coming on the show with us again. Hey, always a pleasure, guys. I'm happy to talk some mess with you guys about any <laughs> video games or movies or whatever. Oh, yeah. Always a good time. One day we'll have to do like an actual like Kung Fu movies into games episode with you or something specifically tailored to like your your style from your show. Yeah, there's 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 some uh, uh, Bruce Lee games, right? And some Jackie Chan games, and that's all I can yeah. think of, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, for Heroes 3, not to get into plugs just yet, but um, be, we are currently talking about Bruce Lee. And um, so we covered all his movies, but before we did that, I did an episode where we talked about Bruce Lee in video games. So um, I basically did a bunch of homework and went chronologically through games that either represented Bruce Lee in some way or actually starred Bruce Lee. So that was pretty fun. Oh, that's cool. I like that. that one of the um, one of the, the Street Fighter tournaments that I went to ages ago, they had a, a side room with other fighting games, and one of them was a was a Jackie Chan game that was like on the yeah. PlayStation or something that I'd never seen before. It was like digitized Jackie Chan fighting mm-hmm. game. Yeah, so there's two. It's by Kaneko. It's a Japanese company, but they digitized Jackie and some of his stunt team and made a fighting game out of it. One's called Jackie Chan Fists of Fire, and one is called Jackie Chan Kung Fu Master. And actually, um, I mean, for poverty games, like kind of low-tier games, it's pretty competitive. Some people really know that game. There, I feel like that, that you can say that about a lot of stuff. Like, yeah. wow, there's a Sailor Moon game out there and it's broken. But people get into it. People know that yeah. game, <laughs> the Sailor Moon I, fighting game. Yeah, I love that stuff, especially like weird, quirky. My friend has like a main cabinet and uh, we would just go through the list and find like the jankiest fighting games and try to really <laughs> figure it out. It's a lot of fun. There used to be a, um, a YouTube show that I really, really enjoyed. It was called... I can't remember anymore. I, 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 that's that's horrible. But it was it was two guys that loved fighting games, two friends, and they would just pick every. They went through like a like every fighting game they could think of, and they would just super couch fighter, super couch fighter, and um and they would try to just figure it out. They would spend like 
the first 10 minutes just like messing around and then all of a sudden one of them will go are you ready can we do it can we do it and they would like start the game over and they would like get really serious like it'd be fun it was yeah, really fun like it was it was like it was like hanging out with like two guys just playing games like that and um it felt it felt real it felt very very real nice so yeah I, i'll i'll have links to them on the on the, on the show notes because i really really appreciate them um but yeah so we're, i guess we're in agreement the ninjas beat the pirates yeah, you know, uh, ninjas have all these sneaky tricks. Pirates are cool, and I love the freedom of just doing whatever I want, but uh, they're not very savvy when it comes to combat. You know, they're just blasting ah! and yelling and <laughs> ninjas yeah. ninjas will sneak right by you i would say i would take the freedom of being a pirate and just doing whatever you wanted but like you're you're on the water like you're not really going anywhere yeah. so i don't think well, you go to islands you go to land have you watched one piece that fake pirate life <laughs> man i'm thinking pirates are pretty smelly though guys probably oh know, yeah uh, probably that is true. <laughs> There's no way around that. I mean, yeah. on a boat, they stink. They land somewhere. They ain't got time to shower. Yeah. Well, so, you know, they probably would look for like a, sh- a bathhouse or someplace to just kind of clean up if they could. Yeah, yeah, probably not. They're dogs. probably not cleaning up a whole lot. And you know, they're not drinking water. They're just drinking straight rum all day long. So, yeah. you know, they aren't smelling that great. <laughs> Yo ho ho! What's the Alki's life for me? Oh yeah. my god. But yeah. Also, I mean, I, 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 I thought I thought I represented the pirates pretty good as far as oh, music, no, as you, far as music musically goes today. I think it's you brought good. some jams. Yeah. It does make me wonder now if, if we put Carlos mm-hmm. on a, a bit of a, a homework assignment to go back to the last episode and do a measure there. I wonder what he would come back with. <laughs> I did. I did go back and listen to it because I wanted to make sure I didn't like. Uh, repeat anything and i remember you i believe pernell you brought a zach and wiki track which i was something i was gonna think about bringing because i really like zach and wiki and i feel like more people need to know about that game yeah that game is a masterpiece that no one talked about and it's locked to the Wii. we'll we'll never see that again i was close to playing a shantae um risky boots type track but i thought we've done that a bit bit in the past but shantae but we went. We did a lot of fighting game stuff today. And I think a lot of that has to do with having you on the show, Carlos. <laughs> no, I'm honored because that's my stuff. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, for more information, um, not more information, but if you want to get in contact with us for more information about the show, or if you want to just say hello, or if you have a track suggestion, or even a topic suggestion, um, send us an email. Rhythmandpixels at hotmail.com. And for a full track listing of this episode and all of our episodes and, and access to all of our episodes, go to the website. Rhythmandpixels.com. We have a uh, link to our Discord server at the top of the webpage. So if you want to go there, you can hang out and chat with us, chat with Carlos, and there's a, there's a whole bunch of people there within the podcast and the podcast community. Um, we also have a YouTube station, youtube.com slash rhythmandpixels. So it's a 24-7, 8-bit and 16-bit um, classics and deep cuts. It's just all day long. Um, I finally got my um, my bot working that crushes all of the spam bots. So no more no more nonsense happening in there. But there's a lot. I got a lot of cool stuff planned for the radio station. So, so definitely check that out. And um, what else we got here? Um, if you want to oh, support- give me some suggestions for games to stream or not stream, but at least to record myself playing and posting and stuff. Yeah, Pernell, do that Pernell's going to get in the YouTube streaming something game. So. Um, let him know. Let him know on Discord. Pop in there and be like, "We want to see you play." And then he'll say what? And then you, they'll, then you say something, and then he'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Variety streamer is what we're gonna call him. 
Um, yeah, if you want to support the show, you can, um, whatever, whatever platform you're on, hit subscribe or hit like or whatever it is. You can also go to Patreon, patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels. As a member there, you get access to a monthly live streamed episode of us just recording the episode live. You also get uh, cool stuff like there's old prequel episodes. There's all the past content. There's uh, episode zero. If you want to hear where we started back in 2015, 2014, um, yeah, 15, yeah. yeah. Way, way back when. Um, In ancient times. You also get cool stuff like stickers and mugs and t-shirts and all sorts of neat stuff. And we'd like to thank all of our members at the highest levels of our Patreon tier at the end of every episode. So first, we want to thank Brooke and we want to thank Frankly Zappa. Both of you, thank Absolutely. you very much. And double bonus, thank you to Brooke. I was sick. She actually mailed me a get well package. <laughs> that's so cool yeah, Brooke thank you very very much and thank you very uh, very very much frankly Zappa who pops in on my uh, my Twitch streams while I'm playing DDR which is really cool so thank you okay we want to thank uh, one the number one no word no new name just just one uh, thank you uh, he Chris- knows his rank <laughs> he's number one on there it keeps him on the top of the list of the thank you list <laughs> uh, thank you Kristen GameFan44 thank you Mike Myers thank you Turianator thank you Ulf Person Fashion 8060, Alex Messenger from AVGM Journey, Andreas Milberg, Brian Pitt, Cameron Worma, Carlos. Thank you, Carlos. You're welcome. You! You. You're welcome. Uh, uh, Viewers like you. Uh, Chris Steenerson, Chris Wisner, a.k.a. Musashi219. The wise guy. Christopher Senstrom, Chuck Kowalski, Davey Cakes, David Taylor, Enchilada Brigol, Harold Howard, Triple Jeff, the Tri-Jeff, uh, Justin Schneider from XVGM Radio, Keith Shusterman, Martyrus from the ReVGM VGM podcast, Michael Bridgewater, Dr. Michael Bridgewater, Rage Cage from the VGMporium video game music podcast, Reinhardt Zilkova, Sleepy Smart, Steve Miller, Taco, Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy, and Zach Thornbach. Thank you all so, so much for your continued support of our show. Um, really seeing your names every week gives us a lot of motivation to just to keep producing more content and, and doing You're better. Um, all the money in the Patreon goes towards equipment, goes towards hosting, and it goes towards me and Purnell um, you know, traveling to conventions and speaking in a very scholarly way. Uh, we will be, <laughs> we're we're going to see um, if if you're available. We're going to see you guys um, at the end of August at Retro World in Connecticut Retro World Expo. Um, Do I need to get one of those sweaters where you put the patches on the elbows? I think and, we like, should if, start smoking. Pipes? If we could both dress up like that for Connecticut, I would. I would love that. Uh, but we'll be up there hanging out with the True. Connecticut crew or, or the Connecticut area crew with XVGM Radio and Ed uh, and the VG Embassy. And they apparently have a New Haven pizza. I still like joking about that. We're gonna have a. Like, I, I don't think I've had it yet. So we're gonna have New Haven, New Haven style pizza. Doesn't sound like a thing to me. I see it's New York pizza, maybe Philly pizza, Chicago pizza, but New Haven? What is Philly pizza? Wait, yeah, what is Philly pizza? pizza? I don't know. It's a cheesesteak. It's a cheesesteak <laughs> cheese 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 pizza. On a, on a pretzel. <laughs> that just sounds like an abomination. Because when, I, when I'm in Philly, eat. all I want to eat is pretzels. Um, all right. Well, yeah, anyway, thank you all. Thank you all so, so much. And, and, and many, many more um, in our Patreon uh, for supporting our show every, every, uh, every month. So it's a big, big deal to us. Um, next week, we may have another special guest. We may not, but I'm hoping we have another special guest and Purnell will be um, well enough to be here in person with our guest. If, if I'm not well enough next week, I have bigger concerns. <laughs> Let's be honest <laughs> yeah. here. 
<laughs> yeah, pray for Purnell. Uh, thank you all so much for listening to this show. It might be another Sonic episode, actually. Um, and I should probably announce now our, our Patreon episode, if you listen to this far. Our Patreon special episode is going to be our Masters of VGM for listeners. So if any listener, if you want to submit a track with who you think is your number one master of video game music please submit it to us rhythmandpixels.hotmail.com and we'll have that episode then but until then i want to say thank you very much carlos is there anything else you want to plug or talk about before we head on out oh um yeah um well yeah i i co-host heroes 3 which is like a asian cinema podcast i have a lot of fun doing that with my co-host matthew and marty and uh yeah we we've been talking about bruce lee we covered all of the you know, I we covered like the four films that Bruce Lee starred in, and we're gonna deviate into like Bruce Lee's like legacy. So that's gonna be kind of weird and fun because there's like a whole set of they call them Bruce exploitation films, <laughs> which is like Bruce Lee was so famous and so influential, but then he he died before he you know experienced that kind of worldwide glory and. Um, there's a vacuum that was filled with all of these fakers, and uh, I'm gonna have fun talking about that with uh, Bruce G. Bruce yeah, G. there's uh, like all the variations you can think of. But uh, yeah, so if if it's something that you might be interested in, check it out. Oh, that sounds really. And cool. I also just think it's kind of hilarious that we both potentially got our cases of COVID from the exact same place, despite oh, living yeah. in completely different areas of the country. How wild is that? And, uh, I yeah, think it's I very mean, well. We have this weird zitter synergy that goes there. It's like <laughs> the first GameCube import. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah first, first GameCube import, La Mulana, and getting COVID. <laughs> yeah, it's a party. It brings but us we're all doing together. All right. Yeah, everyone. Everyone's doing all right. Everyone sounds okay, which is important. So yeah, um, it's good to see you up and about, Brunel. Last week you were a little, you were a little further in the in the, in the dark. I sounded like this. <laughs> also, I looked like this. <laughs> and you were also more isolated, and so you were like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I was like, much weirder then. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Um, we will see you next week. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Purnell. Have a good time. Week. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, ninjas and pirates... For better or worse, they are both ultimately known for acts of great violence, regardless of whatever the reasons may be. I still think they're awesome. You all think they're still awesome. But maybe the violence part, not so much. I mean, it's good to have knowledge. It's good to learn and educate yourself. But kind of parroting off of that one, like, hilarious Nickelodeon Pirates quip, it's not about being mean. It's about using your abilities for good, doing nice things for people, you know? You know, applying knowledge in ways that can assist yourself or help better lives of others. Uh, maybe steal hearts, not steal possessions. Uh, <laughs> stealthily get into class on time if you're the type who still runs late for school or work. Uh, you know, fun things like that. But not about the violence, none of that stuff. It's about being good in a world that could sorely news more of it, especially nowadays. <laughs>